Yeah, you heard Stuart Allcroft, Chairman of City Trust, Patrick Bennett, macro strategist at CIBC World Markets, and our international economics correspondent, Barry Woods. You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. Don't forget the markets in Japan and South Korea are closed today for a holiday, but in Australia, uh, they're up about a quarter of a percent now, and looks like the Hang Seng, though, is going to resume its falls. Looks like it's on track uh, for losses of about two-thirds of a percent. That's about 190 points at the open in just under an hour. I'll be back tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock with more business and finance news for you. Back chats coming up next with Hugh Chiverton and Steve Vines after the news. Weather forecast mainly fine. Uh, isolated showers later, hot in the afternoon. Again, the maximum temperature is going to be around 30 degrees and the outlook is for it to be hot with sunny periods, apart from isolated showers, in the latter part of this week and early next week. It's 25 degrees right now, 82% relative humidity. It's 8.31. Here's Samantha Butler with the news. A DNA specialist says Hong Kong should consider capping the number of people allowed to return to the city to prevent imported coronavirus cases. Dr Gilman Su from the Department of Health Technology and Informatics at Polytechnic University said the situation in Hong Kong was critical with the discovery of more cases of highly infectious COVID variants. He also expressed concern about the impending travel bubble with Singapore due to start on May the 26th, saying cases in Asia were rising. So we set a limit for the numbers of how many people can return to Hong Kong because we got more and more imported cases. If we got more imported cases, that would be a challenge to the quarantine hotel. Actually, the quarantine hotel is not a hospital, and the staff right inside is not the infection control officer. If any practice that violated the regulations, it's not surprising that the new variants will continue leaking into the community. The drug maker Pfizer expects its revenues and profits to rise markedly this year as a result of increasing demand for its coronavirus vaccine. Here's the BBC's Andrew Walker. Pfizer has not revealed how much profit it has made from producing and selling the new vaccine, originally developed by the much smaller German firm BioNTech using new mRNA technology. But Pfizer's total revenue, not just from the vaccine, in the first three months of 2021 was 45% higher than a year earlier. Among other big pharmaceutical companies, AstraZeneca and Johnson & Johnson have said they would sell their vaccines on a non-profit basis for the duration of the pandemic, although they have received substantial government funding. A court in Egypt has ruled that the massive container vessel that blocked the Suez Canal in March will continue to be held as a dispute continues over compensation. Here's the BBC's Sebastian Usher. The grounding of the Ever Given for six days in March captured the world's attention, but the story is far from over. A Suez Canal Authority is seeking almost $1 billion in compensation from a Japanese owner of the vessel. The ship is currently impounded in a lake between two stretches of the canal. An appeal by the owner for the vessel to be released has been rejected for now. The Canal Authority has yet to publish the findings of its investigation into the cause of the incident. You're listening to the news on RTHK.
Good morning and welcome to Bank Chat. I'm Hugh Chiverton, your co-host today. Steve Vine. Steve, good morning to you. And good morning to you. Today we're talking about press freedom in Hong Kong. Monday was World Press Freedom Day, a UN-coordinated effort to raise awareness of the importance of the freedom of the press and to remind governments of their duty to respect and uphold the right to freedom of expression. Locally, the Journalists Association warned that although media workers have never been poor, more pessimistic here about press freedom, the worst is yet to come. Perceived levels of press freedom among local journalists have crashed to the lowest level on record, according to the association's latest survey, with 85% of the more than 360 respondents blaming the SAR government. 99% agreed the prosecution of RTHK contributor Bao Choi was harmful to press freedom. Meanwhile, on Monday, RTHK began deleting some of its documentaries and other programmes from YouTube, with some seeing the move as an attempt to erase the public's memories in order to rewrite history. Are you concerned that press freedom, guaranteed in the basic law under Article 27, is under threat or declining here? Let us know. You can email backchat at rthk.hk. We'll do our best to read out your messages, but we can't guarantee to read all of them in full, uh, simply because there's uh, too many. Uh, or you can call us, 233-88266. Uh, we'll put you on air and you can speak directly to us and to Hong Kong. Uh, or you can comment on our Facebook page and share your thoughts that way. That's Backchat on RTHK Radio 3. We look forward to to hearing from you. Just before we get into the, the main topic today, uh, still a great many uh, emails on aspects of, uh, of COVID. Uh, I'm just going to chop them up and uh, uh, air some of them now and maybe some uh, in the uh, second part of the programme this morning. Uh, S says, in yesterday's back chat, the helper's representative, that was Annie Lestari, though she impressed some listeners, I would like to remind them that she did not address any concerns about the spread of virus in a scientific manner. She did not bother to understand how the virus spreads. Instead, she kept on repeating and moaning about they had no choice but to gather in large groups in the parks. How about addressing the spread of the viruses instead? John says the government has done a great job by setting up a vaccination programme for all Hong Kong people. It's difficult for them to convince the public to take this and will create a great setback in time. Since the current stock expires in August, may I suggest the government serve notice to Hong Kong residents that the free vaccination programme will end in August and those who wish to be vaccinated thereafter will have to pay $1,000 per jab. The vaccinated people will continue to get their booster shots free thereafter, but people who get the jab after the free period will also have to pay, will always have to pay a thousand dollars a jab uh, Alison says, I was listening to the news on RTHK. There was a quick mention the government has lessened quarantine for incoming travellers who are vaccinated to 14 days. Can you clarify this? I think, uh, Alison, the government is considering that, is considering altering um, the uh, quarantine period, uh, but they haven't made any cons- decisions uh, yet on that. Uh, that would only be for people who are fully vaccinated. That would be for people who are fully vaccinated. That's right, uh, changing those arrangements. Uh, CW says, well done to Carrie Lam and the Hong Kong government on reviewing the decision to make it mandatory for domestic helpers to get vaccinated before renewing contracts. Not easy to roll back a decision, but in this case, the right thing to do. The Hong Kong government do need to look at their decision-making process, especially around sensitive subjects. They don't need everyone around the table nodding yes to every decision. Ideas need to be challenged and thought through. Let's get Hong Hong Kong vaccinated. That's from uh, CW. Once again, our email is backchat at rthk.hk. Joining us now, we have Chris Young, who's chairperson of the Hong Kong Journalists Association, and Keith Richberg, president of the Foreign Correspondents Club, director and professor of practice in journalism and media studies centre at the University of uh, Hong Kong. After nine, we're going to be talking to the former chairman of uh, RTHK's board's advisors and uh, former government chief uh, information officer. Once again, uh, email backchat at rthk.hk. Uh, Keith Richburg, good morning to you. Good morning. Uh, 
morning. Thanks for, for joining us. Is there much to celebrate on World Press Freedom Day in Hong Kong? Uh, well, not a lot. and I'm not sure you properly should say Happy Press Freedom Day or, or Sad Press Freedom Day. Uh, you know, it's just been a series of kind of body blows to the media here. I call it a death by a thousand cuts. If you just look at what's happened in the last few months or the last year, it's been, uh, you know, it's been one thing after another, as chronicled in the HKJA uh, uh, survey. I wonder, Keith, if I could ask you, I mean, you, you've worked in other parts of Asia, you've worked in Africa and obviously in the United States itself. Can you give us some perspective of where we are in Hong Kong relative to other places you have experience of? Yeah, it, it, that's a great question. Thanks for that. You know, the, the difference is that Hong Kong always stood out in this part of the world, in Asia especially, um, for having the, the kind of most open free press uh, uh, anywhere around. You know, this was the place that uh, people came to when they got kicked out of other countries uh, because it was so easy to operate here. Uh, I remember coming here in, in 1995 as a correspondent. I'd been based in the Philippines. I'd been, you know, traveled around Indonesia. I traveled around Thailand where, you know, there are pretty strict controls on the press and what they can do. And I remember landing here and meeting with someone from the government information office and saying, what do I need to do here to register and get a press card and all that? And they looked at me and he said, there is no press card here. We have freedom of the press. Just, you know, <laughs> you say you're a reporter, you're a reporter. And you could, you know, I used, you know, you could go to press conferences uh, here pretty easily. You know, go, go, you know, go, go to police operations fairly easily. And the press itself was pretty open and rambunctious. You could see opinions scanning the spectrum from, you know, you know, pro-communist, pro-Beijing to, to pro-democracy on the opposite side and pretty much everything in between. What's happening now, you know, it, it's, I would say, you know, Hong Kong is still above many other countries in this part of the world in terms of press freedom. But I look at where it was and, and I'm afraid of where it's going. You, you mentioned, uh, you know, a, a number of incidents which have been of concern. What are those? What are the signs that you think are worrying? Well, first of all, you look at uh, the, the prosecution of Bao Choi. Um, you look at the uh, uh, novella uh, Koser being basically having her contract revoked because she was asking tough questions at a press conference. Uh, you look at another uh, RTHK reporter who's leaving because basically she asked a, you know, a legitimate question about Taiwan to an official from WHO. Uh, you hear all of this uh, talk about uh, fake news laws being put in, and we know how those have been used in places like uh, Cambodia by Hun Sen, uh, the jail journalist, or, or take media off the air. Uh, we look at how fake news laws have been used about all over the region and all over the world to basically stifle the kind of reporting that government doesn't like. And then on top of that, you see the, you know, you had the Echo Times, or, uh, Epic Times, had their pr printing presses destroyed by a bunch of thugs who came in. Uh, you see this kind of drumbeat of criticism in the, in the, uh, the Chinese press against Apple Daily and Stan News um, just because of their political philosophy, um, not because of anything that they're writing. And then you see the police saying they're only going to recognize that their operations, uh, journalists who have a uh, government-issued uh, government information service press card, um, you know, which really you know, hampers freelance journalists, uh, student journalists, uh, journalists who are out on their first assignment and may not have yet published something. You know, so uh, all of these things, you know, one by one, uh, if you add them all up, it just adds up to this kind of collective, you know, assault against the press. And it, which is kind of, you know, you've heard government officials, you've heard the chief executive saying that the press needs improvement. You've heard others say that there should be patriots uh, running media organizations and working as journalists. So all of these are kind of code words saying that they don't want independent, tough, questioning uh, journalism. 
But didn't she say this at press conferences where members of the media are welcome to come every week and ask any question uh, they like? And they uh, and Apple Daily is still there and Stan News is still there. And uh, we are maybe moving a little closer to the Asian norm uh, in, in terms of press freedom. But things like uh, restricting the, uh, you know, sorting out the, the, the kind of mess over the, the, the press cards uh, is just a it's just uh you know makes sense it's just a part of the professionalization of the uh, of the of the press um you know we've had a kind of chaotic situation a kind of anarchic situation when it comes to the press uh in the past tidying that up uh doesn't have to be a bad thing it doesn't have to be a bad thing but i'm looking at the overall atmosphere in which it's happening uh, you know, three or four years ago, somebody had suggested, you know, a new system where journalists can go get, easily get a press card and be recognized. You know, everybody would have said, fine, this has been happening after you know, the protest of 2019 when you've had the, the police basically turning pepper spray and tear gas deliberately against journalists, uh, journalists being harassed. So in that atmosphere, uh, when people come along and they say they want to make some moves to tidy things up, you have to be suspicious. Um, you know, that goes with fake news and disinformation. We all know that's a huge problem. Disinformation, fake news floating around the Internet, that's a huge problem. But I don't see the government here uh, making these uh, attempts to kind of rein in fake news and disinformation out of the atmosphere of trying to kind of control the press. Um, you know, the national security law says uh, there, has, you know, there has to be some supervision, better supervision of the media. So this is all happening in a certain context here. So, yeah, look, Hong Kong is still, you know, a, a more free and open place than a lot of other places, particularly in this part of the world. I think Reporters Without Border ranks, uh, Reporters Without Borders ranks Hong Kong around number 80. Most of the rest of the ASEAN countries are about 140, 150, you know, in that range. Can I can I bring Chris Young in here? I mean, uh, we've referred to the recent um, survey from the Hong Kong Journalists Association giving a rather dismal rating to the level of press freedom. Do you think that we've hit bottom? I mean, is there a, a further level of deterioration that you perceive may be happening? Uh, hi, Steve uh, Hill. I, uh, thank you, sir. Good morning. Uh, in fact, uh, a lot of things that Keith has just mentioned, uh, things that uh, just happened, like the uh, LTHK uh, uh, um, incidents and factors like fake news and uh, the broad direction that the chief executive uh, has given that towards uh, uh, something, something media system. I never heard about that. I, I, I don't know exactly what she's referring to, but uh, I imagine more, regul more uh, a regulatory approach towards the media. So those factors are just beginning to unfold, and that will make, I would say, negative impact on uh, press freedom, uh, which perhaps are, are going to be reflected in next year's survey and next year's uh, ranking by um, the Reporters Without Borders uh, global um, rank ranking. So that's why I would say um, that, that there's really uh, very little room for, for optimism. Um, and, and a lot of things, a lot of um, negative factors are still there and uh, have no sight of um, any uh, improvement or, 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 or change in, in, in the foreseeable future. But, but of course, people will say, well, you're here, you're saying that. You're still, we're still free to um, 
have people like you on on uh, on RTHK. Uh, Apple Daily uh, is still publishing. Uh, the chief executive still, as I say, faces the press in, in regular uh, press conferences. Um, you know, we're not doing so badly. Uh, uh, two, two, two points I would like to respond to that first. Uh, um, uh, I, I've been uh, the chair of a journalist association has three and a half years, and uh, my own my own observations is that um, say issues issues like press freedom uh, are getting uh, um, less uh, attention uh, in the in, in the society. Uh, also, even among the media, I think there's a strong growing feeling of uh, futility and helplessness um, in the society and also among the journalists about the gradual erosion of freedoms as a whole, not just uh, press freedom, but freedom of expression, assemblies, publications, freedoms for, uh, for the creative industry, the film industry, etc., etc. So, so I think that kind of, uh, I would say, uh, uh, that feeling prevailing and uh, people just Less people now want to talk about it, not 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 to to well to get people like me and uh, to, to 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 comment. And uh, media's own response to survey, I think, uh, is also an indicator. It's a very, I would say, an important uh, and, and clear finding. But but you can see media's coverage of it. And that's one indicator. But journalists, second, but journalists uh, are always uh, going to, but journalists are always going to complain yeah. about press freedom, aren't they? I mean, it's you know, it's yeah. stock in trade. It's you know, I mean, doctors are going to be complaining about whatever yeah. their yeah. specialist is, uh, specialism uh, is. Uh, I mean, we haven't even touched on the internet. The internet is as open here in Hong Kong as it is anywhere in the world, as uh, uh, as far as I know, and freer than uh, almost you know many places. Uh, Vic in an email says, uh, "Dear Bank Chat, what's your take on this thought? The definition of press freedom and free speech is as opaque as national security legislation with no clear lines drawn. Just being a devil's advocate here. That comes uh, from uh, Vic. Free speech, press freedom, they are pretty kind of vague, nebulous things, aren't they? Well, um, yes. <laughs> I think the short, short answer is yes. But, but I think we, 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 can, we can clearly see the, the, uh, the, the, the changes in the society. And... Um, Gradually, and in fact, uh, in, in, gradually, in fact, uh, since the last decade, but then more, um, more clearly, I would say, since 20, uh, 2019, and also in particular after the national security law, uh, we, we see those changes in the society and also government attitude to a free press. A, a, a lot of things. Uh, that's that's why we say um, the, the 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 change of government attitude towards the press as a watchdog for the, the fourth estate uh, is significant. I think that's reflected in their handling of media's uh, access to, say, data like vehicle license, like uh, properties, information. And, um, and that's why I, I said at the press conference that uh, the government used to be media-friendly, uh, talking about how to coordinate with the media. But now, I would say media and media unfriendly, and uh, trying to do things that uh, 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 block or cause difficulties for 
I think, but but also, I think the general kind of context, the whole media environment has changed uh, significantly. Uh, Mike maybe points in this <clears throat> direction in an email. He says, for years, Hugh and some of his cohorts only exclusively read the biased mainstream media reporting on what was approved by those leftist subjugated organisations. It's been alleged by many real news outlets like Epoch Times, Newsmax, Sound of Hope, and others, along with the Australian Sun, that the CCP has had its finger of influence pushed firmly on the scales of their disseminated information they call truth. What seems hilarious to me now is that uh, only now someone is calling foul. When that bearded old man on the street corner waving his sign of warnings and lies reminds you of previously scoffed at predictions, sits down, takes a deep breath and says, do you get it now? We can only mutter under our breath, I was hoping it was a lie. Thanks, Neil Young. The predictions of world domination of the Middle Kingdom are coming true. Or stroke what? That's uh, from uh, Mike Hoffman. Um, uh, uh, Keith Richberg, um, uh, I mean, well, one thing we could get from, from Mike's comments is that the, the whole media environment is, is completely different now. There is a, there is a mistrust in many quarters of, of mainstream, what's conceived of as mainstream media, uh, things like RTHK, like the, uh, the press that you've been discussing. Uh, we've got a whole world of social media now, uh, and um, that's what's changed things. That's what's uh, that's really where people get their information from now and that's where social discourse goes on for in reality yeah that's absolutely true what has changed over the last uh, I would say decade or decade and a half has been the explosive growth of the internet and more recently the explosive growth of social media uh, and social media does a couple of things number one it removes people like me <laughs> as the gatekeepers um, of what people can read and hear you know, you know, when I, you know, when, when, as you would recall, you know, when we were growing up, people basically agreed on a set of facts. Uh, you could go to some news agencies, whether they were, it was BBC or AP or the New York Times or the Wall Street Journal or SCMP, and you generally, everybody kind of generally could read the same articles and believe the same set of facts. And then you could argue over, you know, the meaning or the analysis or the interpretation. Everybody's entitled to their own opinion. But now, now what happens is, there's no agreement on what the facts are. <laughs> you know, if you, you can, because people, the internet and social media has allowed people to silo themselves and only get information that conform, confirms their specific point of view. And so it was, it's absolutely fascinating. And you saw this in Hong Kong. This really, uh, it didn't create the, you know, blue-yellow divide, but it certainly was able to uh, exacerbate that blue-yellow divide where people just didn't even agree on basically what, was, what they were seeing happening on the streets. You could pick up one paper and it told you one thing. It, you could pick up another paper. It told you something completely different. Your friends on Facebook or WeChat or Weibo or, or Twitter... <laughs> But, but, okay, but what what follows from this? I mean, yeah, if, if you think that the uh, you know what's the the fate of RTHK's whatever uh, policy it is is a bit of a sideshow, really, to what's really going on in, in social media, then what follows? What what? How, how should we be talking about press freedom? Is the whole sort of discourse about press freedom just outdated? Well, you know, I, I hope it's not outdated because we still need a free press, and, and uh, I think what I think you're seeing in some ways you're seeing the the uh, problems when you don't have a free press holding government accountable and asking tough questions. For example, right now, uh, you were talking in the earlier segment about uh, the, you know, the vaccine hesitancy that's out there. The reason there is vaccine hesitancy out there is because, first of all, people don't trust the government. The government says things. They say this vaccine is safe or everybody needs to get the jab, etc. But 
you don't have uh, a critical press that's out there you know, asking the right questions or being told the right information, and you're allowing all of this kind of misinformation and disinformation to circulate out there, people really do believe that, you know, if you go to get a, uh, a BioNTech jab, that they're going to secretly switch it with the, with the Sinopharm that jab, or, or they believe things about, you know, side effects that just aren't true. And, you know, so that's what happens when people lose faith in traditional media and, you know, and, and when the government itself has lost the faith and trust of people. I, I wonder if we could bring Chris Young here because yeah. um, you, you happen to be, uh, as well as being the chair of the Hong Kong Journalists Association, uh, closely associated with Citizen News, one of these online media outlets, which has indeed blossomed in recent years. Do you think that... Um, the online world of media is actually going to, first of all, take over the, the, the traditional media, and secondly, ha has indeed been liberated. Well, um, no, I, I, that's a short, short answer. So, yes, uh, yes, I think there's been uh, more, say, um, in, in independent online news. Um, but if we look back um, the, the past decade, um, we, we're just talking about main, mainly a few uh, Chinese uh, in, and English. And if you look at the so-called traditional uh, media outlets, uh, they are almost the same. I think TV stations, um, new, new, newspapers, they are, they are still there. But they've been given heavy competition by, by yeah. outlets yeah. like your own. Yes, competition for uh, readership or audienceship, but not for for advertising dollars. Um, of course, traditional um, media uh, facing uh, a, a lot of other uh, problems like advertising uh, revenue falling, um, uh, many factors, including the overall economic uh, scene, but, but also um, the, the decline, I would say, the, of a traditional um, re revenue raising model for the, uh, for the, for the media. But the online news challenge, um, that we, we, I think online media does not challenge their, um, their revenue. I think they, they, they just compete for uh, readers, compete for, uh, say, say, audience, doing live coverage, etc., etc. Et, 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 et uh, but of course, you may say that may indirectly, say, affect their uh, revenue. But, but I would say... The uh, business or the commercial problems facing by traditional media um, comes comes just not solely from uh, or mainly from online uh, media. There are there are other there are other factors. Okay. I so think online media basically just provides one more uh, channel or, or channel or source of information, right. uh, comments, etc. Here's, here's a couple of a uh, couple of comments from uh, listeners contrasting. John says, Hong Kong government is slowly clamping down on press freedom. Don't go far, just look at RTHK. Navella Costa gets no work because she asks tough questions. Bao Choi gets prosecuted because she was investigating the truth. And Yvonne Tong gets pressured for short-term contracts or gets dismissed again for asking tough questions. NSL supersedes the basic law. RTHK will be a government mouthpiece like Global Times. Sad. Good luck. That comes uh, from uh, John. Uh, uh, James says, the claims being made, and perhaps uh, 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 Chris Young, you could address this. James says, the claims being made that the freedom of the press in Hong Kong is under threat is absolute nonsense. Journalists who hold this view are behaving like spoilt brats. Grow up, get a life, stop complaining, and stop being so negative with your perceived victimhood. You are alienating your audience. That comes from James. Chris, 
Do you want to respond? Well, um, I think all journalists uh, want to be uh, hopeful, to stay hopeful, that uh, hoping that uh, what we uh, what we do can uh, make the society better, um, to ensure accountability, to highlight injustice, inform the public about matters in their public interest. Um, serve as a conduit between the people and their representatives. This is what I quote from remarks made by a, a former UK Chief Justice uh, on the World Press Freedom Day. Uh, but, the, but the sad re reality that, that that role of a media as an institution, I think, is being eroded. It's being eroded and has not been respected and honoured by the government. Okay. And unfortunately, uh, also with the backing of the central government and uh, and, and the pro-establishment people here uh, just want journalists to be silent. Right. Here's an email from uh, Bowen who says, the fact that Bao Choi's criminal conviction gets somewhat detailed mention in an article in the prestigious foreign policy magazine should be cause for concern. Also mentioned is the new director of broadcasting, described as, quote, lacking in media experience and following whose appointment, the article says, RTHK has now taken to pulling episodes, firing columnists, and otherwise aggressively remaking itself into an image palatable to its overlords. But for an economic city like Hong Kong, the even more serious charge is that, quote, key features of Hong Kong's cosmopolitanism, post-cosmopolitanism, its free press, provisions for access to government data and international media presence are facing dire pressure and constraints, interrupting the flow of news and information that commerce and culture depend on, unquote. The article cites the further example of the government's invoking privacy concerns as grounds to revise an earlier failed effort to shroud identifying details on corporate owners and directors, impairing the ability of not just journalists but also investors to understand underlying relationships and expose the potential for self dealing uh, uh, next to the state of our rule of law, independent news reporting and analysis and access to government information and data are one of the most important areas that the maintenance of Hong Kong's economic role will depend on. Reading the foreign policy article gives one some clues about the lens looking through which Ronnie <coughs> Tong arrived at some of his conclusions in his letter to Hong Kong last Sunday. I hope Ronnie will at least agree that the vast majority of Hong Kongers want country, one country, two systems to succeed, and that as a group they are pretty worldly wise that's from bowen many thanks for that thank you to keith richburg and uh, to chris young we're going to break now for the news at nine the weather it's going to be mainly fine 26 degrees the latest readings with a relative humidity now of 79 percent Good morning with uh, Steve Vines and me, Hugh Chiverton. We're talking about uh, press freedom. Uh, with Monday being World Press Freedom Day, a UN-coordinated effort to raise awareness of the importance of the freedom of the press and to remind governments of their duty to respect and uphold the right to freedom of expression, which uh, uh, press freedom, of course, is guaranteed in Hong Kong under the uh, basic law, under Article uh, 27. Uh, but some believe uh, it's under threat or in serious decline. Uh, we want to hear from you. You can email backchat at rthk.hk with your thoughts. You can call us and just join the conversation directly. The number is 233-88266, or you can comment on our Facebook page. That's Backchat and RTHK Radio 3. I'll check the uh, Facebook uh, in, a, in, a, in a moment. Uh, many emails on, on aspects of this. Uh, I did say that I'd, uh, I'd uh, read some uh, 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 emails we've had also related to two aspects of uh, COVID and uh, Magnus's uh, magnum opus uh, that uh, was... Uh, 
delivered yesterday. Uh, Magna says, uh, sadly, there was a lot of misleading hyperbole on uh, Monday's show. Beyond just depressing, it seems very unfortunate as it serves to distract from the real issues. Two examples, Dr Alvin Chan describes Singapore's COVID current small outbreak as growing exponentially over the past week. That is entirely incorrect and misleading. The reality is that Singapore has had a very small number of cases and cases have plateaued at that low level. Professor Cowling stated that, yes, we absolutely would need to impose stricter social distancing measures were the South African variant to be found to have spread locally. He stated that experience over the past year has shown us that we cannot control it simply by using masks and tests to trace and isolate. Sorry, but this is simply not true. Even more so when one recognises that our test, trace, isolate is a different league now compared to six months ago. In fact, our experience over the past year has shown us repeatedly that every outbreak of COVID in Hong Kong plateaus very quickly at somewhere around 100 cases a day and always long before any government measures are introduced. What does that tell us and how could it be so? It tells us very clearly that it is not the government mandated measures that break the transmission chain. Uh, this is all clearly displayed on the Hong Kong U website. So, uh, so how can it be that the rate of transmission always collapses before the government measures are introduced? Very simple. People, of course, change their behaviours in the face of an increased perceived threat. They reduce their circles somewhat and amend the type of places they spend time in. Collectively, this adds up to the social distancing that the government is trying to effect. It's just that the government did not actually do it. The people did it uh, en masse and voluntarily without being told. The government then arrives a, a week or two later and slaps on restrictions. Sadly, our overlords and administration are seemingly sufficiently stupid as to genuinely believe that the subsequently low transmission rate was delivered by their measures rather and understand the truth obvious from the data, which is that it has already been delivered by the public. It is really very important to properly analyse, stroke question, stroke fact check what is being stated as fact. People take what is being said by medical experts seriously, in many cases almost without question, so it does need to be on the mark. And Magnus wants to add the point regarding the further danger of allowing all this misleading expert information to pass, that is taken as gospel and sound bites thereby therefore thereof, are regurgitated verbatim every half hour on RTHK News. Misleading statements on a loop uh, really need to fact check and hold all guests to account. That comes uh, from Magnus. Um, thank you very much in indeed for that. Uh, related to our, our current discussion, uh, uh, Jeremy says your guest from the FCC claims that the COVID nineteen so that the COVID vaccination uptake in Hong Kong is low because there is public mistrust of the government. I would say it's negative press and sensational news stories that create this mistrust, not the actions of the government. Uh, Mike says, when giving examples of fake news with respect to COVID, your phone guest referenced conspiracy and or aspects of that and he claimed were not true. Let me correct him. He should have more correctly said not known with, reg with regard to side effects, uh, <clears throat> etc. And Professor Carol Peterson uh, who's listening in <clears throat> Hawaii, I think, said the Hong Kong Journalists Association to send its report to the UN Human Rights Committee for its upcoming review of Hong Kong's compliance with the ICCPR. The government recently submitted its replies to the UN Human Rights Committee's list of issues and essentially claimed that nothing has changed regarding press freedom here. Uh, in a paragraph 122, the government stated the SARG is firmly committed to protecting and respecting the freedom of the press, which is a fundamental right guaranteed by the basic law. The government is also committed to maintaining a facilitative environment for the media to report news and perform its role as a watchdog over public affairs, unquote. I'm sure the committee would be interested in the many specific examples that contradict 
this statement by the government. Joining us now for the second part of the discussion, we have uh, Eugene Chan, former chairman of the Hong Kong of RTHK's Board of Advisors, and Mark Pinkston, a former government chief information officer. Good morning to you both, Mr. Chan. Maybe we'll start with you. Uh, thanks for joining us. Good morning. Good morning. Um, uh, so we were hearing uh, from Chris Young and the Journalists Association. They did a survey, found that uh, a great many, uh, most uh, journalists were very concerned about the situation uh, in Hong Kong, and, and they blamed the uh, uh, the government, the administration, for the de declining uh, press freedom uh, situation uh, in Hong Kong. Well, how do you read the press freedom as it stands in Hong Kong? Um, firstly, I think it all depends how you define press freedom. But as for um, an ordinary citizen, I think being press freedom means to me that I'll be able to access to news of all different angles and, and whether positive or negative views. And, and at this moment, honestly, we do read everything we, that we want to know. There are many other sources. I mean, personally, I, I don't feel that we, um, we have a lack of news at the moment. That's my personal, my personal take. Uh, Eugene Chan, that, that, that may well be the case, but, but could you address the wider issue that was raised in our previous discussion, which is about the erosion of press freedom in the sense of journalists being arrested, newspaper offices being um, uh, invaded by the police, people being sacked for asking right. questions, that sort of right. issue. Okay, okay. Um, if you're coming from that angle, then um, my, my feeling is from what I read in the news, just like, like everybody does, is there's always a reason for that to happen. I mean, this is, I mean, we are not getting all the uh, reporters being arrested, not all news officers being raided. I mean, there's always a reason behind, and, and I, mean, I think it's hard to generalize. But personally, I feel that if, if I think all, if you, I think you agree with me, I mean, uh, or even reporter, journalists, even, even all people have the same rights and obligations, and we have to abide by the law. And if you haven't broken any laws, then why would anything happen? So this is the reason why I said that I, I don't feel that. Well, that, that, that's an interesting take on this, because let's take a specific instance, which is that of examining the transport department's records to look for the owner of a, a, a number plate of a car that was yes, involved yes. in the Yunlon attack. Now, this is right. something that has been done traditionally in Hong Kong for many years and has been used not just right. by that particular reporter. I mean, it's widely used by the uh, leftist papers as well to single out people and, and mention them on their front pages. So right. why was there selective prosecution of one reporter, or rather one producer, and not others? Um, I, know, I think we all know the incident you're referring to, and I also read in the news that apparently, the, from what I read in the news, is the charges against a false declaration. Um, I mean, I can't comment on other cases that hasn't been prosecuted or they have been prosecuted or may not be publicized. We don't know. But I'm just saying that in that particular incident, it was, it was, it was judged in a court and the court had made the judgment. And I think we have to plead what the court thinks. You, you think that was a evidence. reasonable judgment to you? Yes, yes. I think we can only, I mean, if, if we all believe in the rule of law, then we have to rely and we have to trust what the law court thinks. So, I mean, everybody can have their own view and judgment, but I think when it comes, I've said many times in public appearances, at the end of the day, if, if there isn't trust, then you have to look at the process, which is law. 
I think that's what we all we all embrace, don't we? Well, people are saying that what we're having is rule by law rather than rule of law. In other words, selective prosecution, selective application of the law, and the law being changed to enable um, crackdowns to be made on freedom of expression. Um, the law has been changed to crack down the freedom of expression. I think that is quite a, a strong statement you have made. Well, let, let me give you an example. Let me give you an example. Why, why talk in abstract? There is at the moment a well-known reporter on trial under the national security law for offences that were perfectly legal before the enactment of the national security law. You ask for an example of a law being changed, sure. that's it. Yeah. I mean, and it, I, and, uh, I mean, I'm not a legal expert, but from what I read, after the enactment of the national security legislation, it only applies to cases that happen after the enactment of the law. So if there has been a report that's been being trialled, and if, it's, if whatever he or she did, might have might have contravened that law if it happened after that date then it's perfectly legal isn't it no 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 i'm sorry you're 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 changing the <laughs> changing no, the I'm topic not changing, i'm replying your question no, no. The, the 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 suggestion being made is that the law has been changed to make right. illegal things that were previously legal and uh, you're saying you, you, well they were changed they... you have said it very correct if a law has been changed or something being changed means being changed. So there's a new set of laws. Then we have to abide by the law. Then, and it has been proper promulgated to the public. Then we have to be aware of it, isn't it? What, what case are you thinking of, Steve? I, I'm no, thinking no, no, of the Stan uh, News uh, reporter. Okay. All right. Uh, okay. Some some more uh, uh, thoughts from uh, listeners. Uh, Jim. Uh, Jim H says, uh, under the British occupation of Hong Kong, the press activities were controlled under UK laws and practices prior to the internet era. Prior to 1997, the sources of media access was extremely limited in Hong Kong. The FCC and the press club had a virtual playground. Absent of outside sources such as the internet, they controlled the press information. What happened to the newsstands uh, in Hong Kong? That comes from uh, Goodness me. Jim H. <laughs> As a member of one of those organizations, Organisations. I'm, I'm delighted to learn that we used to control the news. Uh, Andrew Kay says, I think the media and journalists generally have a grossly inflated view of their role. Their collectively stupid behaviour during the 2019 riots did their reputation no good. That comes uh, from uh, Andrew Kay. Uh, and a couple of comments on Facebook. Uh, John John quotes Albert Camus. A free press can, of course, be good or bad, but most certainly without freedom, the press will never be anything but bad. That's from uh, Camus. TC uh, says, My concern is that Chris Patton's parting words in 1996 is coming true, during which he said, quote, My anxiety is not that this community's autonomy would be usurped by Peking, but that it must be given away, but it could be given away bit by bit by some people in Hong Kong. That's uh, what uh, uh, Chris Patton said uh, when he was uh, governor in, in Hong Kong. Uh, Mark Pinkston, good morning to you. Good morning, Hugh Thank and, and uh, Steve. Thanks very much indeed for, for, for joining us today. Um, w w you know, so we hear this uh, dire warnings from the Journalists Association uh, saying things are pretty bad and the worst is, is, is yet to come. What's your reading of the uh, press freedom as it stands in Hong Kong? Uh, well, the main thing is that we have a number of journalists uh, being reprimanded for 
reprimanded for their uh, reporting, some in court, some by their employers. I, I think one thing for sure is that journalists, with, with all of their good intentions, must operate within the law. Uh, in the case of uh, Miss Choi at RTHK, on the traffic matter, um, she went above the law, or below the law, whichever way you look at it, um, by false information. It's not gathering the information. And as Steve said earlier, it's something which the media have been doing all the time. Perhaps it's the way she did it, and not well, the can way... can you explain that, Mark? I mean, what, 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 what she was accused of is making a false declaration That's of her correct. purpose for collecting the information. As you yeah. know, there is no space when you apply for information on, on uh, driving licence vehicle uh, registration to, to state what your purpose is. Yeah, I, I think, well, I think they've learned their mistake there. They've added a new, a new line in there for other well, that, reasons. Well, that's a retrospective thing. That's I know a retrospective it is. I know thing. It is. But... Um, I don't know what, I can't recall what reason she gave, but what, what, the, what the purpose of it by giving false information? Well, well, all the time. I wonder uh, if we could just look at this more widely. I mean, if it is to be a situation in Hong Kong where there is freedom of information, where people are allowed to conduct investigative journalism, which in my view is journalism, surely people should be allowed to use the means available to identify those who are suspected of being involved in an incident, in the case of the company's registry, to get more information about companies that are in the news. All of this is being cracked down on. Yeah, no, I agree with you there, Steve. But I think what they're aiming at, especially with the company's registry, you can still search company's registration and they will give you the name of the directors of the companies. What they will not give you in future are the addresses. And this is to protect the privacy of, of the directors. Well, they both certainly but, but say that, still, but the but problem they, with just having the names is, as you know, particularly with Chinese names, there's a lot of very common <laughs> names, and the only way that you can identify an individual is to have more details about who that individual is. Plus, I would say... I. No one yet has produced any evidence as to why identifying directors' names is causing these great breaches of personal privacy. But no, that's not the point. The point is that giving the addresses and contact information of the um, directors is a breach of their privacy. Well, that's indeed what they say, but I'm saying to you, can you think of any incidents where this has actually caused a problem? Well, if you're if you're if you're providing a solution to something that isn't a problem, the suspicion must linger that the motivation for doing that is other than the stated purpose. I think the problem was that because of the incident with the transport department, the, the government looked. I'm, I'm only guessing here, Steve, but I'm, I'm guessing that because of the problems with the transport uh, registration is that the, the government looked at it, at the whole picture, said, wait there, there could be other um, 
businesses that could be vulnerable as well for protection of privacy. And I naturally went to the company's registry. But that, I'm sorry, even that point. isn't true, you know. When the, when the company's law was amended and when there was a consultation exercise about this, all of which occurred within the last decade, they did very specifically look at this issue and decided that the balance of um, of judicious behaviour was to allow the continuation of revealing these names for the sake of transparency in Hong Kong society as an international business centre and that the price of that for personal privacy, this was locked into quite carefully, was, was insignificant in comparison with that. It's not as though this hasn't been discussed before. It has been discussed and rejected. Times have changed, and I've reviewed it again. Uh, Eugene Chan, I think you know one one aspect of the background to all of this is that basically the administration, the government, feels that it has been treated unfairly. It's been misrepresented. Uh, it hasn't been given a, 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 a fair chance. Uh, is that the basis? Do you think of the of the government's uh, uh, complaint? Uh, and if so, how do you fix that? Uh, because uh, if you try and strong arm the media uh, or try and force the uh, force the media to to do your bidding, uh, you're only going to make the situation worse, aren't you? You're only going to increase the mistrust. Um, if you ask me, I think that the law the law evolves with time, and I think every every city, every country in the world do have updates in their ordinance legislation. Um, I mean, Hong Kong has been through a very difficult period, I'm sure you would agree with me. Then if the authority or the administration, which I'm not part of it, if they want to up, up, update the law, and, and I think so far they have, played, they, they have played very well. They've told you exactly what the law is and what happened after that. I mean, they're not being retrospective. It's under a common law system. So I think it's very clear. So I think in every place we go, we have to follow by the rules. I mean, I, I don't see any problem. It, I, but it takes time to get used to a new set of laws, I mean, I mean, like anything else in life. Personally, I think in time... But, but you don't make people nice. trust the government more by making it illegal to say that you don't trust the government. <laughs> you don't inc you don't encourage trust in the government by making it harder or even illegal for people to say to express themselves and say that they don't trust the government. Um, I'm sure in in the society there are different factions. There are people who welcome the law because they they think they can trust the government to do the right thing for them. So there are two there are two sides of a coin. Of course, for those people who have not been trusting the government, no matter what you do, they still be more trusting government. And I think. It's, it's a fact of life that is happening all over the world, that it takes time and people take their senses. And there's a reason why we have a good radio channel like yourself, so, so that different views can be expressed and let the audience make their own decision. So and what I is it that's but, happening yeah. all over the world? Is it that, that, that there is, uh, you're, you're saying all over the world there are clampdowns on no, the freedom no, 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 of no, expression and I'm, therefore I'm it's a good general, thing? I'm saying in general, the whole world, all the authorities are being challenged. And everyone, they want to take a decision in their head. Look at different countries, what's happening in the countries. I think it's a, it's a worldwide trend. And with the internet and with the abundant information, people have uh, more 
but then there's also another issue of fitting. I mean, there are many things that have happened in the last few years. I mean, we have to move with time. All right, some, some uh, comments from listeners, some are on, uh, on RTHK. Uh, TC says, in, uh, on the RTHK podcast archives, in most of the programmes, search the choice to download appears to have been disabled this week. Why? Just a technical mishap? Question mark. Uh, I don't know about that, uh, TC. There isn't any policy on uh, changing uh, the rules for, for podcasts that, that I'm aware of, so um, and, and can't uh, in immediate case. I'll try and get back to you on that, but uh, I don't know of any change in policy. Uh, Andy says on flag raising would you would you care to comment on the flag raising at RTHK yesterday are you intimidated demoralized uh, question mark that's uh, from uh, Andy uh, I don't comment um, Matthew says all tyrants follow the same playbook the destruction of RTHK's historic public internet record underway right now is the modern equivalent of the burning of the books if you want to know what's coming for us in Hong Kong then look at history especially 1930s Europe and more recently, Tibet or Xinjiang. I hope that this morning, Bankchat has been able to secure a senior RTHK manager to address this matter, as well as the Bao Choi and Nabella Kosa controversies. It would be quite a bizarre situation if representatives of a publicly funded broadcaster refused to appear on a programme on its own station to address these public concerns. I have two specific Bankchat-related questions. If there is an RTHK official on the programme uh, this morning, there isn't, although we did uh, inquire, we did try to get someone. Uh, Matthew says, first, can you please explain why a public broadcaster is never able to secure any government or elected officials to appear on a program like Bank Chat, leaving us day after day with the, only the same two peripheral pro-authoritarian expert guests. Second, why was the Bank Chat Person of the Year contest uh, suddenly cancelled on the morning that the winner was supposed to be announced without any clear explanation of who actually won? Uh, that's uh, from uh, Matthew. Thank you very much indeed for that. Uh, more comments. Jay says, surely it's the duty of the press to help the police to bring justice to those who are breaking the law. This is just alienating the police and the press. And uh, Jeremy says, Steve Vines needs to understand that journalists who break the law should be brought to account. Making a full statement to obtain the details of a car owner is a criminal matter. Vines also does not seem to understand the laws relating to data privacy. Vines is not a responsible journalist. That comes from Jeremy. Well, well thank you for that. Um, it, it, it is interesting that, that people who defend um, the suppression of freedom of expression always do so by expressing their absolute admiration for rule of law. One of the points that I made was that rule of law only is valid where it is equally applied. So if you select one person for prosecution under the law and ignore the fact that many others are committing exactly the same acts. This is called selective application of the law and what it means is it leads to disrespect for the rule of law. So I'm sorry if I don't come up to your high standards. All right, Alan in an email says, Backchat, your pro-government guests are blandly saying that prosecution of journalists, raiding Apple, etc. were all within the law, so there is no problem. It's clear to everyone that this selective prosecution attacking only journalists and media who are not subservient to the government. As for company director's info, it's absurd to say that revealing addresses is a breach of privacy. If you can identify the person, you can find their address easily elsewhere. The issue is that if all you have is CY Lung, then you don't know which 
of several hundred people uh, afflicted with that name it refers to. That uh, comes from uh, Alan. Uh, Mark Pinkston, um, I mean, the, the reality is that a, a, a huge number of uh, journalists uh, do feel uh, pressured uh, in, in Hong Kong and do uh, and have told the Journalists Association that they do feel um, their profession is under threat, the press freedom is, is under threat in, in Hong Kong. What would you say to the journalists, not to the to the ordinary public, but to those journalists who are who are concerned? Mark Pinkston? Sorry, Mark. We, we, we. Sorry, Mark. Sorry, we, we, we. That's uh, sorry, sorry, Mark. The, the quality is sorry. We could. Sorry, Mark. We can't. Sorry, can you take him down, please? Yeah, thank you. Sorry, we can't. Sorry, we can't hear what you're saying. Maybe if you could try and move to 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 somewhere else. Can I put that question in the meantime? Maybe to to, to Eugene Chan. Uh, what about the journalists? As I say, it's it, uh, many professionals, people who spend their time day in day out uh, on these issues. They feel that uh, press freedom is is under threat. What would you say to them? Um, Firstly, um, I've got many friends and I have met many of these reporters over my years of public services. Um, I, I certainly share their feelings, don't get me wrong. I, I understand how they feel because if, if some of the, if there are more, I won't say rules, if there are more restrictions in everything they do, they have to be more, um, more aware of the updated in law. I think, yeah, it, I think it's going to take time. But honestly, as the ordinary citizen has mentioned earlier, I treasure citizen views and perspectives from different newspapers. I read them all the time. And because that gives us uh, more information to think. And I think let's continue a good job. As long as you follow what is what the latest, I think your freedom is going to be very treasured and your work will be highly valued. So I, I personally have nothing to worry. Okay. Uh, Mark Pinkston, I think we hope we've got a better line. Mark? Yeah, back is yeah. this better? Yes, that's good. Yes, go ahead. Yeah. I'm just saying, what do you say to the journalists? Because the journalists, you know... Oh, yes. What, what I say, yes. Um, no, as long as they uh, stick within the confines of the law, they can say virtually whatever they like. They can criticise the that's government. That's not... Really, Mark, that's not the reality. That's not the reality. Well, if they stay within the law, it is. Where is it not reality? <laughs> <laughs> the point is that, 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 that the law is is um, changing so rapidly. I mean, was it illegal for a um, reporter to ask a representative of the WHO the status of Taiwan within the um, organisation's governing body? That, as far as I know, isn't illegal in Hong Kong. No, no, it's not. But the point, the problem, that was, that was on your programme, uh, Steve... It was. Uh, um, the point is that, the, that your producer had asked a lower-level staffer, a doctor on epidemics or something. It was Bruce The point would be, Mark. The point up. would be, Mark, that it's not a question of of, lose, of going to jail uh, and breaking a law. It's a question of losing your job. Well, of course, if you're not being professional, you'll lose your job. What was unprofessional about asking that question? Because she asked the question to the wrong person. She asked a, per asked a question to a person who was not in a position to give an answer. Well, this was the person the WHO put forward to represent its interests. I mean, on a specific item, COVID or whatever, that person was not responsible 
for the policy decisions of WHO. Well, they should have have supplied another spokesman. Well, then, couldn't the the person say that? No, the person hung up. Well, I know. Surely, in that case, what happened was that the person... Uh, panicked, <laughs> and it was That's the right. reaction. It was exactly. the person's reaction which caught the caught the world's attention because he he he. Uh, he, didn't he, know the it. Answer. he didn't know the answer. Well, it wasn't it that he didn't know the answer, but he pretended to. He you know he went through all this sort of uh, rather crude subterfuge, didn't he? And pretending that uh, it, it was. No, he knew the answer. But all he had to do was say, "That's not my job." Well, that was up to him. Hmm. Right. Can I make a comment? Yes, please. The, yeah. The, the, the report that you mentioned, I think, is a lady. Miss Tong, and I regretfully knew, I think she resigned. She didn't lose her job, did she? I just want to clarify that. Well, should, come on, come on, come on. We're all Sorry, adults I mean, this, here. She was under news. intense pressure, intense pressure, including right. some really vile publications okay. by the pro-Beijing okay. press suggesting that she'd be involved in quite... Or, oh, I don't even want to get into this activity right. that, that we don't need to talk about. So if you're seriously saying... I'm actually quite annoyed that you suggest this. If you're seriously saying that she wasn't under pressure, you must have just come down from Mars. Me, I, I, didn't, I didn't say that she was under pressure. I'm well, that's why she went. I'm just the because we, we read in the news that she resigned. That's why I'm just clarifying. I didn't make any statement, so it's not what is in my mouth. Okay. I never said that it wasn't pressure. Be oh. fair. You have to be fair as a host. And you had to take two no, no, you're, you're quite right. You're quite right. She was not fired, but, but exactly. you, you need to. You That's do need. You do need to put these things in context. Okay. One more comment Thank from you. one more comment from uh, Marcus on on Facebook who says, "Is the so-called government so stupid that it announces such measures against the press on International yes. Press Freedom Day and not realise this will make the global headlines to match the event?" That's uh, from Marcus. Thank you very much indeed for your for all your comments today, and uh, to our guests, to uh, Eugene Chan, former chair of uh, RTHK's Boards of Advisors, and Mark Pinkston, former government chief information officer. Thank you both very much indeed for joining us this morning, Steve. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, the weather mainly fine and hot. Temperatures today up to about 31 degrees. The outlook hot with sunny periods, apart from tonight, late showers in the latter part of the week and early uh, next week. 27 degrees now. Relative humidity is at 76%. Captain, news on the Smart ID card replacement exercise. Report, please. If you hold the old form of Smart ID card and were born in 1973 to 1976, you must replace your ID card on or before July 9th this year. Those born in 2005 to 2007 or 20. 2012 to 2018 must replace their ID cards from May 3rd to September 18th this year with the required documents and accompanied by a parent or legal guardian. For details, visit smartid.gov.hk. Remember to book ahead. 9.35, the news now with Samantha Butler. Authorities have locked down two buildings in Quarry Bay and Pokfulam, ordering residents to take COVID tests after two suspected cases of a more infectious strain were found. The government notice says residents aren't allowed to leave until results come back. But according to regulations, if the preliminary cases are confirmed, all residents will be quarantined for 21 days.